You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. So I'm going to kind of start uh, with the ending, because um, I think that's, I think in this case it's something good to keep in mind. So the, the uh, sort of the overall point of, of Stephen in, in this sermon that he's giving in chapter 7 uh, to the Sanhedrin, to the council of the Jewish leaders, is uh, he's, he's basically going through history, going through the history of, of the Israelite people and showing how they have disobeyed over and over and over the leaders that God has put in place for them. And then at the very end, which leads to his stoning, spoiler alert, um, his, uh, he's saying, he goes on and points it to them and says, this is what you did to the Messiah. This is what you did to Jesus. And so just that overall uh, thinking of, uh, of, of the Israelite people have continually disobeyed the leaders that God chose to put in place over them. Um, just wanted to bring that up in the beginning to kind of keep that in mind as we go on. So Jim touched on last week that throughout Scripture there are, um, there are, there are people who are like Christ characters. They have characteristics of Christ. And <clears throat> Moses, and he, and he brought up Joseph, and Moses, which we're going to cover today, is definitely one of those uh, Christ-like characters, and obviously falls short in many areas. But there's there's similarities in the stories. Um, so the the overall uh, the way that Stephen kind of breaks this down with with Moses is he breaks it to like forty-year periods of Moses' life, and that was kind of an easy way for me to simplify things and how I uh, I read it further. Um, so I like. You know, it's, it's broken down to 40 years born, raised in Egypt, 40 years, 40 years ran away and fled to, to Midian, lived there, had a couple kids, got married and all that. And then has, uh, has God uh, talked to him through the burning bush and says, I'm going to use you to free the Israelite people. And from that point to, um, you know, wandering in the desert is the next 40 years of his life. And... <clears throat> I have a quote from, uh, from Dwight L. Moody about those periods. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Right. I need, I need you to that. Uh, Moses spent 40 years thinking, again, in Egypt, 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody when he ran away to Midian, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody as the leader of the people. Mm. So, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was kind of glad I came across that one. 
Uh, and that was one I had saved to my phone like three years ago. Um, all right, so moving on to the first section of Scripture we'll read is 17 to 21. As the time was drawing near to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt until a different king who did not know Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them leave their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. He was cared for in his father's home three months. And when he was left outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. Um, So quick note on this. uh, The Holocaust was not the start of the mass murdering of Jews. It has been, uh, it started thousands of years ago. And, uh, and we see in 17, uh, and then I'm going to go back actually to Exodus and read a little bit. But in 17, we see that the, the promise that God had made to Abraham, um, he, he, was, he was getting close to fulfilling that. So he also says, um, and coming with that is the fact that the people, that God's chosen people, the Israelites, they were flourishing and multiplying in Egypt. So a quick rewind to how that, you know, why they were in Egypt is the fact that uh, when Joseph was, uh, was second in command of Egypt, um, he, he ended up, his family, Jacob and all that, ended up, ended up taking all of them and coming to Egypt to, to live there. And uh, so that's why the Israeli people now are in Egypt and they're growing there. They're, they're in the land, they're flourishing, um, they're doing really well. And something that struck me in 18, a different king who did not know Joseph ruled over Egypt. I, uh, I think it's interesting how uh, this is just kind of like one of those things you look back in history and you're like, how does that make sense? So I tried to think about it a little bit and um, we'll see what I came to as far as what you guys think. Um, Joseph was put in second in command, literally ruled the country, except Pharaoh was over him. That was it, period. And, but Joseph was a part of, of God's chosen people. And like we see here, now all the, you know, God's chosen people are in the land of Egypt. But now we also see this new king comes around. So like next generation, new Pharaoh, new king comes. And it says he didn't, he, he, he did not know about Joseph. And he didn't know basically why those people were there. And I'm like that, you know, how would you not know that? You know, it, it would seem like that would be something you would know. Um, but, you know, as we, we know throughout history of, of finding out in archaeology things about Egypt and stuff, basically, uh, like many other countries in history that we find, a lot of times you only ever see history uh, that was kept in place um, by the top guy. So, you don't always, you know, there's not really many examples of, of getting uh, history from people who were below the top guy. So, Joseph, even though he was ruler and had all this power, it doesn't mean that he would have been somebody that they want to keep around in history uh, for that to be passed down to, to, you know, future generations. So, in a sense, even though it still doesn't really make sense to me, in a sense, I kind of could get how a new king, you know, wouldn't know. He, you remember that they were there for 400 years. Yeah. Okay, so if you think about 400 years of our history, because we remember somebody from the 1600s mm-hmm. that played some kind of large part in 
you know, our development. So in some, in that sense, it could be just he was forgotten just because of the passage of time. Yeah. Or try to no. name the first four vice presidents of the United States. Yeah. They were seconding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I guess, I mean, it doesn't directly say, like, this is, you know, Joseph and his pharaoh, and then it's the next pharaoh. It doesn't say exactly that it's the next guy, so it could be a time gap. You know, again, all these contributing factors. You mean to, like, the same time, right? I'm sorry? No. I was going to say at the same time, like, if he's the pharaoh at the same time, how's he not know what Joseph's doing? No, it's a new, this is a new guy, a new, new pharaoh, new king, you know, um, so we don't know what he was taught growing up, we don't know if he was only taught about the pharaohs, you know, that whole thing. Well, my is not so much that, not that he didn't know Joseph, he didn't know those things, but when you become a new pharaoh, it's your people, so, you know, I don't, I don't know you, you know what I mean? Well, he, no power anymore, so. he did not know Joseph. It says right. Well, what's that mean? But to know somebody also means to have sex with them. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like so he, saying he may like, have had knowledge. Saying, I don't know what the word, but he had knowledge of yeah, them. He may have had knowledge. He just acknowledged yeah. that because I want my own people in power. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I was getting honestly from it initially, because you can think about what God says, like, speak to me, I did not know you. Like obviously God knows who you are. Mm-hmm. But like again, your acknowledgement of like I don't have that respect for you. I'm not favoring yeah. you. And I mean, he may have just been like, these are different people, I don't like them. I mean, <laughs> that it could have. That was so long ago, who cares about that? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, as we continue on with, with, uh, with 19, he dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them leave their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. <clears throat> um, Exodus 1, 6 to 22. I'm going to go just and read that real quick. Exodus 1, 6 and 22. This is specifically talking about where he said, you know, leave the infants outside so they don't survive. Then Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who had not known Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Let us deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And if war breaks out, they may join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramesses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver, as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. The Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? But the midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. 
Pharaoh then commanded all his people, You must throw every, every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. So killing babies uh, as population control seems like such an ancient idea, even though it's currently happening. Um, and it also was, was masked in the sense of we need to do this because it's a good thing for our people. And again, the same thing is happening now uh, with abortion and how rampant that is. Um, was your hand raised? No. I, I, I saw something in the corner of my eye. I didn't know if that was... I was okay. Um, so, uh, you know, nothing new under the sun. You know, it's just, just cloaked in different language. All these, you know, these evils that exist in the world. <clears throat> Um, so verse 22, kind of, I'm just going to leave this one on its own because this, this, again, we, might be something we talk about real quick because it was interesting to me. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his speech and actions. When I read that, I, I knew that there was a verse in the Old Testament that spoke to Moses, you know, saying, no, I can't speak. I'm Basically, I'm weak. I need somebody to speak for me. That's where Aaron comes into the picture, his brother. And so I looked into this. And uh, because right here it says you, you would just you, – if you just read this, you know, surface value, you would be like, okay, Moses was, you know, this really powerful and, you know, he was a really good speaker and, and all this stuff. So, you know, sure, he's a you know, perfect leader for this situation. Um, again, keep in mind the 40-year period thing. When I, when I say this. So, uh, yes, he was brought up by the Egyptians. He was taught in all their ways. And, and at that time, the, the Egypt was, was the superpower of the world. They were, they were, you know, top dog. And they had all of the worldly wisdom, all of the worldly technology and, and science available to them at the time. They, they were it. And he was, he was brought up by Pharaoh's daughter. So he was brought up in royalty, basically. So he was, you know, he was taught all of this stuff. He, he had all of this knowledge. He, he probably knew multiple languages because there was multiple in that land. Um, so, yes, he, he was very good in that sense and had a lot of knowledge and wisdom in that sense. Um, but go back to Exodus 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I am slow of speech and tongue. Verse 22 in Acts, we see uh, he was powerful in his speech and actions. So what's going on here? This is kind of one of those things that people, it, there, there isn't, to my knowledge at least, there isn't a perfect answer. But one that I saw that did seem to make some sense was that, again, going back to the 40-year period thing, first 40 years of his life, he was brought up um, and had all of these, this knowledge and was, was great in speech. And then he goes away for 40 years to a different land, different languages, to Midian. So he's, you know, he's getting into that culture, into those languages, in that land. And now he's coming back. This, and, and in this verse in Exodus I just read um, was him responding to God saying, you know, why are you using me? Because I'm not, I'm not, I can't do any of this. I'm away, I've been away from these people. I can't you know, speak to them the way that you want and all that. Um, so it, it, again, it could be that, uh, that 
he had been away for 40 years, so he forgot some of the languages. He forgot how to maybe interact in the culture or lost some of it. He definitely lost some of it. That's just how we work. Um, and, and he also was learning these other ones while he was gone. So now that, hey, you got to go back, talk to the Egyptians, talk to the Israelites, he could be saying to God, I've been away from this for so long, I, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time communicating. Um, which is where his brother Aaron, who lived there the, his whole life up to that point, um, who obviously knew the, knew the languages really well, is where he came in to be the, the speaker for Moses. Um, could be. Uh, what, are, what are maybe some thoughts on that? My thought was, I think the, the tradition is that Moses stuttered. When it says that he was a powerful man of words, it's not so much how he said it, but what he said. Okay. So, an excuse for God, you know, I don't want to be used, but we make excuses for God all the time, is I stutter, yeah. so you can't use me. Yeah. So that may be true, he may stutter, if that's what the case is. I mean, that's kind of a conjecture, it's like when Paul had his thorn in the flesh. You know what I mean? No one really knows what it was. Mm -hmm. But if that's what it was, then that's what it was. But my thought always is, I mean, there's men of great faith in the Bible, but it's not so much the men, it's who we have our faith in. Yeah. Which is God, Jesus Christ, however you want to put it. Okay? And what did God say to Andrew Moses right after that? I will teach you what to say. Mm -hmm. Okay? So God is there with us. So Moses may have been to... Most men, a man of power, a man of words, whatever. He may not have been, but God was there with him. And that's what he said to him. I will be with you. I will show you what to say. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so, like you said, you know, whether or not Moses was a powerful man of words, again, I don't know. Or was it just what he said when he was an Egyptian? What he said, hell, sway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, personally, he may have, you know, maybe that wasn't the most eloquent speaker. Some people aren't. You hear people from the pulpit. They're not the greatest speakers in the world, but what they say can hold great power. Yeah. So I think Moses falls under that category. That he may not have been the most eloquent speaker, but what he said, because he was the Pharaoh's son, so to speak, mm -hmm. he held what he said a great power. Yeah. And he had the wisdom to go along with his own. But as an individual, God, you can't use me, you know what I mean? Like whether it was his years. It's finding out he's a nobody, you can't use me. Hard to say, you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You had your hand raised. Yeah. Uh to Joe's point. Um yeah, that is one of those ones I always have grown up with just that you know, speaking better and or whatever. That's kind of I guess from my perspective, it's been the most widely accepted. Now recently, well within the last like couple of years, I did hear a theologian uh, make the case and I thought it was a pretty strong case that uh, really, you know, Jim kind of also alluded to it that uh, we make excuses uh, for why we're just generally not worthy to be used by God anyway. And so uh, he brought up a few of other points in the Bible, um, examples in the Bible, where they basically said, I can't do this uh, in a naturalistic sense. But really what they meant was, I'm not worthy to be used by you, God. Um, and then almost, you know, it's very possible that Moses was saying, I'm not worthy to be used by you, God. Um, but yeah, that's what I put it out there. But isn't it funny? In some ways, none of us are worthy of being used by God. But like God said, Moses, I will be there with you. Mm -hmm. he, he will work through us. So in and of ourselves, yes, we're not worthy to be used of God. But God will use us, okay? Not because of ourselves. What to say? He picks the weak and confounds the strong? 
in the weekly computer on the final lot, whatever, you know what I mean? So, in that sense, none of us are worthy. Was Moses being an excuse? Maybe he'll move on from me? I don't know, but you know, guys said, listen, I'm, whatever he, reason he found favor on Moses, he found favor on Moses and he wanted to use him. I think God just wants us to be willing to be used. He will supply us with all we need. You know, like he said, he's going to go back into the armor of God. I would say it's there to be used. It's our choice whether we're going to use it or not. God wants to use it. It's our choice whether we're going to let God use us or not. You know, someone I'm going to choose, touch on that later. And some of us choose not to, you know what I mean? Yeah. If we try to do it on our own, we realize we can't do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We have to have God show us the way, and he will. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, all right, so we'll go to the next section, uh, 23 to 28. I, 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 yeah. you, you said he, he was coming from another country, right? He went somewhere else, different language, and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't it just be as simple as he didn't know the language, so he needed his brother who does know the language to translate properly so things don't get confused in the future or something like that? Mm. I, I don't know. Some of that. In my mind, sometimes a simple thing could be. I mean, it could be that. Um, but again, he was he was an Israelite raised in Egypt, going back to Egypt. So that's what I'm getting. Yeah, he he was. Yeah. Uh, so I think the difference there is between doing it yourself and letting God do it through you. Right. That's what. I mean, that's the big difference. Like maybe people didn't know him would be able to listen to him, so they needed somebody else that they could like it now. Yeah. It, and it might even be a combination of everything that was said, um, which is one of the reasons I just found it interesting. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to read 23 to 28. As he was approaching the age of 40, he decided to visit his brothers, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his brothers would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day, he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who, but the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who appointed you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? <clears throat> I think uh, this section can kind of be summed up in a way of, uh, in a way of saying Moses, Moses went... went he, he saw the situation and he went about it uh, trying to fix things the way that he wanted to fix things and the way that he, he thought you know, would fix the situation. Uh, not necessarily how God would have used him to, to fix it. And um, I mean, just that, that principle alone, um, us trying to get involved in something and fix it before we we know this is how God wants it done. How much does that happen in our own lives? You know, I, I, just thinking back to all the times that you know, I've gotten in my own way of, uh, of what God wants to do. And I think it's just an important, uh, it's an important thing to, to know that we need to realize, and I think this is kind of touching on what Jim just said, we need to realize that uh, we are always the ones that get in the way of our own growth. And uh, so a lot of times we need to, we need to, it's a, it's a check our heart moment. It's a, it's a look in the mirror moment. It's a stop, stop blaming, you know, other people. Stop, you know, stop acting like a, like a victim 
and realize your part to play in this. Um, and what happens next in 27 and 28, uh, <laughs> I feel like this was a moment where, you know, so he comes in and, and he had just off, he had just gotten off of, uh, of the, uh, the day before where, you know, he feels like he settled this, this situation, this confrontation that was happening between the Egyptian and the Israelite. He killed the Egyptian. Okay, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm the fixer. I'm, the, I'm coming here to, you know, make everything right. And so he sees two Israelites now fighting. And he goes to them. He says, you know, brothers, aren't, you know, you, you guys are family. You guys are brothers. Why are you, you know, why are you fighting? And uh, they, they had known that he, he did what he did the day before. He killed the one guy. So that's where, I, and so I feel like this moment is happening where he's kind of getting this, this, uh, this shock from his ignorance and, and a culture shock too. Because remember, he was raised in the, in, in the Egyptian house, not necessarily raised just by Israelites. So there's probably a difference in culture and how things are going and his ignorance to, uh, to how they would see him coming in trying to fix it the way that, that he wanted to fix it. And so his reaction to, uh, to this, again, this shock moment was to, to leave. That's where we see verse 29. At this disclosure, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he fathered two sons. So he, he got hit real quick with, with this, this shocking moment in his life. And I, 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 think, I think for him it was just maybe too much in that moment. Didn't know how to handle it. He was obviously trusting himself and not God. And... and, and his reaction was to just leave. I, I can't deal with any of this. I'm out. And, uh, and <clears throat> uh, so that's the, that verse 29 is that 40 year period in Midian that I had talked about this, the second period. Um, so as I read the next section, 29 to 36, we're going to go from the second 40 years to now his, uh, third 40 years. At this disclosure, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he fathered two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. So Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Remove the sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have observed the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to rescue them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Uh, this, Moses, this Moses, whom they rejected when they said, Who appointed you a ruler and a judge? This one God sent as a ruler and a redeemer by, by means of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea and in the wilderness of 40 years. Uh, so he kind of he quickly sums things up at, at the end. But then we'll see uh, next week, or well, I guess two weeks from now, uh, when I teach next on this. Uh, we'll see how, how the people, once Moses was, was leading them, the people you know, rebelled against him and didn't listen. So... Uh, verse 34 
Verse 34, I have observed the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to rescue them. And now, and now, come, I will send you to Egypt. There's many things you can take from, from you know, these verses. Uh, and, uh, but one thing that, that stuck out to me was the, the transition at the end of 34. The transition from, this is, again, this is God talking. Uh, I have heard their groaning and have come down to rescue them. Period. Moses. Cool. That's, that sounds awesome. Next, next sentence. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. So this like, you know, all right, Moses, I could see Moses being like, all right, awesome. Lord, like, you know, it's about time. Like they need to help. They need somebody to save them. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, hey, uh, it's you. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, you can imagine what's kind of going through his head at that moment. And, uh, but, and again, something I think you touched on, Jim, earlier, um, was when, when God calls us, do we answer? And, um, you know, again, back to we get in our own way all the time. And, and I think... We're not going to have burning bush moments, right? We're not going to have, you know, a bush out front or whatever you might think of as an example and God speaking to you through it. We're, you're not going to have that. But the way assume that, that right? assume that, yeah, um, I'm okay with saying we're not, but yes. And, but the way that, the way that a God call works, you know, for our life, for most people is a moment by moment thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Holy Spirit-led, like, go talk to this person right now. Go, go, you know, right now, stop what you're doing, pray for this person because they're dealing with something. You may not even be fully, you know, in the know of the situation, but you just know that God told you to pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff of, those are all, that, that's a God call. So, do we answer that? And, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, I think that's, Something that's that's happening here. Um, Moses, you know, probably reluctantly answered that call, and uh, and you know led the people to uh, to freedom from Egypt. Um, but go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say some uh, some of the same things. Like I, I agree wholeheartedly. There's been I can pinpoint. I don't care if anybody agrees or not. I know exactly the moment. There's been three of them in my life. No, I'm sorry, four. I can pinpoint, and I was like, what? That's crazy. And at the time, I think it was God. Maybe, maybe, maybe last year. I don't know what it was, but mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll, that sounds crazy. You know, I got nothing else to do. And, and, and it worked. And, and even like, you know, what was it, like a year and a half ago, I told people, yeah, God told me this. I got laughed at. Laughed at. And I, I, I got nothing else. So, and, and it paid off. Sometimes what I think is crazy, that with me, is another thing you got. I really am for you. So I get but then I just said, you know, what do I got to lose? You know, God's going to protect me either way. If, it, if it's yeah. not God telling me, full consequence me, but I'm sure I'm not going to die. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But listening is hard. It has been hard. I don't know. It paid off. Sometimes I choose to do it. And the, the payoff part is, is the part that uh, is we really need to make sure that we're, we're answering um, with a, you know, a desire to answer God's call, no matter what the outcome for our life might be. 
Uh, I mean, look at Stephen in this right here. Stephen doing what he did um, led to him getting stoned. Um, and, I mean, Paul. I mean, all these different characters in the Bible. There, there was some sort of, some, uh, you know, in this life they, fa they had to face. I mean, think of the prophets and what they had to deal with. Uh, on an earthly level, um, because they answered that call to God. Um, go ahead. I was, not, I, I, you know, I, I was just doing some research. You know, I thought we could get more into it. And I, I said somewhere in this message, I was, I was reading from somebody. He said, sometimes when you follow God and you give blessing, you're talking about the same thing, basically. Mm -hmm. He said, a lot of times he'll bless you with stuff, and then you're going to get persecuted afterwards. And that's kind of the real test to see whether you're going to stick with God and still thank him, whether or not everybody else is persecuting you sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if that's kind of yeah, I'm thinking two thoughts. One, Christ, I mean, Paul did say, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. So even if listening to God causes you to die like Stephen did, what did you look for him? You saw Christ reaching down then? I mean, that's what we have to look forward to. Mm -hmm. So dying is gain. Yeah. Matter, if that's what you truly believe. As far as persecution goes, James talks about that you will become complete because of that. Mm -hmm. That's the end goal. That you know you should find an old joy that you're persecuted. Why? Because eventually you're going to be a complete person before God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say the one thing I like about that verse we just read. It says after 40 years, God heard the groanings and all that and decided to Sometimes we want things immediately. Mm -hmm. So how God works, I don't know. I can't answer that question. Sometimes it's at least 40 years later that He finally acts on it. Sometimes it is an idiot, so I mean think of the think of think of that. There there were people, there were Israelites who died during that forty year period. Well, who died before true. that. They didn't experience, you know, there's the at least four years, it's yeah. probably before that. Obviously they were mistreating the Jews before that. Mm -hmm. So how many years before that? I don't know, it doesn't say. But at least for forty years while Moses was gone, his people were being mistreated. What did God say? I heard them. Did he do anything right from the beginning? No. But now I've come down and rescued them. So why it took so long? I can't answer that question. I don't know. But like I said, sometimes it is immediate. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. It's just interesting. You know, if we, we think we pray to God. We expect an immediate answer sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a challenge. Um, that is a challenge. But uh, I'm just going to end with um, with kind of a, a look back and also look forward to, to uh, the next lesson. Um, the people wouldn't listen. And the, the next section, uh, Stephen brings up how the people turned their back on Moses um, a, a few times. And just like, and then also turns it to the people he's talking to in that setting and says, just like you're doing or you did to the Messiah, you did to Jesus. Um, which is what you know led to him being stoned because he was he was telling them they were responsible for for killing the Messiah, um, and you know you turned your backs on 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 the Messiah, and they didn't like hearing that. Um, but again, a challenge to us, you know, how how do we do that in our lives? You know, turn our back on God um, because we do. So. Uh, that's where I'm done. Anything else? Thoughts? Uh, I haven't thought about oh, okay. So I haven't thought about the Christian song about we were praying.
Rob, can you pray us out? Yeah, Father, thank you just for your word that we can look back and Lord, I pray with your word and your spirit that we would immerse ourselves in your truths, uh, Lord, before the situations of life unfold before us and, and see you as elevated as God in our lives and one that we worship every day and one that we follow completely. Thank you for Aaron and his love for you, his uh, desire, Lord, to be used by you and and just for the simplicity of, of the lesson today, Lord, where we can see you in, in some really horrible situations, and, but also see your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. Get involved practically in the fight against abortion by supporting and donating preborn.org. So many of us talk about hating abortion, but how many of us actually do something about it, fighting it even if it's just donating your money? Donating and even getting involved with preborn.org is a very easy, very practical way to get in the fight for the most innocent among us. Not only does your support provide ultrasounds and counseling, it also provides maternity clothes, baby clothes, diapers, and formula. More importantly, your sponsorship gives a young mother an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help fight for that life in the womb that has no voice, and help fight to give hope to that mom and family on the outside of the womb. $28 pays for one ultrasound, where it is found that 80% of moms will choose life if they have seen an ultrasound of their baby. Support at preborn.org.